0: Welcome to Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, where I talk about my personal and my group coaching clients' experiences of healing our hearts, authentically falling in love with ourselves, and yes, finding someone better. I'm Claire the Heartbreak Coach. Let's take your love life and entire life to the next level. Hello, my loves. We are at episode 92, and by far, the most special episode. At least that's what I think, because I have the love of my life sitting next to me. Say hi, babes.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: His name is Larry, and he's the love of my life, and you guys have heard me talk about him for a very long time. And I wanted to bring him on. You guys had a lot of questions for us, and I just think it would be a fun episode for you guys to hear a little bit more about us and finding each other and the challenges that we've had and all of the things. So yes, I always say this. Yes, I've created the life of my dreams and my dream partner, but I don't sit here as your coach selling you a flawless life. And I think so many single women, my coach, my clients, and even my old self, before I cleaned up my mind, before I called him into my life is that we believe when we find our person, then everything will be perfect. And that's just not true. Then there's a whole next level of learning and growing with that person. I think that that is the way we've all been programmed, right? Like when I get into the right school, when I get the right job, when I have that amount of money, when I lose that amount of weight, then my life will be better. But then as Brooke Castillo always says, life is always still 50% negative, 50% positive. I've also created the business of my dreams. And even though it's grown exponentially in the last two and a half years, I always saw, oh, well, when I get there, then things will be so much easier. But then as your business grows, there's a whole new host of challenges. So this work isn't about then once you get there, you're done with the growth, you're done with the coaching, you're done with challenges. It's just a whole next level. So um, not that we're here to just sit and talk about negativity and problems, because he really is, in my mind, you really are, in my mind- (laughs) perfect, truly perfect for me. But that doesn't mean that the last 14 months we've been together, especially with long distance and um, children involved that, you know, that's not some flawless, easy process. So we're going to dive right in to questions. Someone We'll start off with an easy one. <laughs> Why did you swipe on each other? Why did each of you swipe on each other? So just to background, I was living in LA in September of last year, and Larry lives in Santa Barbara, and ultimately in February, I moved up here. So spoiler alert, now I live in Santa Barbara, for those of you who don't know. Yeah, I was just Swiffering in my apartment on a Monday night playing some Taylor Swift, and you guys... I cannot reiterate this enough. I had very intentionally set out a plan on calling in the love of my life with the mindset work that I teach my clients and I teach in my course, stop wanting him back and find someone better. It's now available. You can go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and click on the course. All of it is there. So my entire plan, I had a belief man plan. You guys can all make fun of me. (laughs) but it worked. So it's worth it. And I teach you how to create that. So I was totally in flow, totally committed to the result. If you've been listening to me for a while now, you know that I coach from the premise that your thoughts create your results. So I really believed not only that he existed, that I was going to find him and I was in such ease and certainty and so fulfilled in my life, which is what I also teach in this course. It's lifetime access to almost 60 videos. I teach you how to overhaul your mind and learn how to stop wanting Mr. or Miss Wrong back. I use the pronoun him because of my own experience as a heterosexual woman who's moved through a fuck ton of heartbreak and ultimately found the love of her life. But of course, heartbreak is a universal lesson for every race, gender, religion, and sexual orientation. So do not let the pronoun deter you. I really did have this process down and I was so fulfilled and happy in my life. And I really was like bopping around my apartment, listening to Taylor Swift, swiffering away, and I swiped on you on Bumble, and I was like, who is this fresh piece of meat? Because admittedly, I had been on the apps for years in LA, and LA might be a big city, but you see the same familiar faces. So, um, you know, it gets real bad when you like swipe with someone and then they're like, Hey, um, I feel like I've seen you on here before, but do you have new pictures? I'm like, Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I swiped on you. Okay. You guys, I broke a couple of my own rules, but here's the deal. We have rules just to get, if you keep swiping on someone who has zero words written on his profile over and over again and then you find yourself disappointed it's something to pay attention to I know on one of my episodes bumble schmumble make sure you're swiping on someone who puts an effort into his bio and what he writes because it will show that he's like serious about what he's looking for but this dreamy face he's just smiling here had zero words written on his profile and actually didn't even have his first name on his profile
1: (laughs) Just a mystery.
0: Mystery? Man. And I was like, swipe right anyway. So uh, to answer this lovely follower's question, I swiped because I was like, he's hot. (laughs) But here's the deal. I really was unattached when I swiped on you. I was like, he's hot. And it was like, boom, you've connected. And I was like, oh, and I'm like, fuck it. And he had LL as his name. And so I was like, hey, LL, do I have the honor of knowing what LL stands for? And you wrote back right away and you were so lovely and engaging. And I was like, oh, I kept getting pleasantly surprised by you. But 100% I swiped on you because of your fucking face because I had no other information. But I wasn't going to just like continue to engage with you if you were just like, Hey, and gave me like one word answers, I was like, Oh, his face is so intriguing. I'm going to swipe right and see what I get here. And I, I was like, Oh, he's like writing back. That's nice. And then you told me your full name and where you, and then you told me you lived in Santa Barbara. And I was like, bye. (laughs) I didn't say bye, but I was kind of thinking bye. anyway, babes, why don't you share? Why did you swipe on me?
1: Well, you're a beauty babes. And, um, your your pictures are amazing your words came across i i love that you're irish uh you made me laugh just in your profile and i felt like i was pretty lucky to connect with you
0: that's a really nice answer You guys, we're just dorkily, if that's a word, staring at each other and smiling at each other. All the giggles and the smiles. I know. Gross. Guys, get a room. We are in one alone.
1: You also had a shamrock yeah. in your profile, which I liked. Did was I? was part of the Irish New Yorker.
0: Oh, I said I'm an Irish New Yorker living in La La Land. Yeah. And uh, you know what I love too, when we finally made it to our first, okay. So, so then he, he shares that he lives in Santa Barbara and I'm like, ugh, bye. Now I wasn't mad about it. That's the thing. I feel like some of my clients are say will say, "Oh my god, he was so amazing. Turns out he was just visiting from out of town because he was like visiting family. Of course, typical, not really available because I would never live where he lives, blah blah blah." And I didn't feel angry or like Ugh. I was just like, "Eh, probably not going to work out, hot guy just like swooping through with his, you know, for work and whatever." And so I kind of dropped off and then you circled back like an hour later and you said, um, I know we're not exactly neighbors, but I would, and I head back to Santa Barbara tomorrow, but I would really like to meet you in person sometime. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) I thought that was so lovely. And. A lot more effort than what I was used to with a guy like trying to lock a date down with me in fucking
1: L.A. Well, it felt like even in the first couple of exchanges, we had a pretty good banter going. Uh, and and so I was hoping that we could continue it.
0: And then you thought when I was I, so then he suggested that he said, let's get a drink. Uh, you know, I'd love to meet you in person sometime. And I was like, yeah, yeah, let me know next time you're in L.A. and we'll get a drink. Like I was just like, sure, dude. Like I just. I want to be clear to those who are listening. It wasn't this cynical, skeptical, like, I don't buy it. I was just like, sure. Again, I think the real word here is unattached, but I was so committed. And this is what I teach you guys in my course. I was so committed to my result of finding my person. So I didn't feel this like disappointment if you live far away and whatever. I was just like, oh, because also don't take this the wrong way, babes. But I've had banter with lots of people and then it goes to shit for like I'm just like, all right, bye. Like whatevs. It was just unattached. And I think that that's really the key with any result that we want to create. Right. It's being so committed and then. Committing to how you would think and feel in that result, which is what I teach you guys to do in this in the find someone better section. So there's four sections in my course what you need to succeed. I teach you. I go into a lot of specifics about how to self-coach, how to teach you how to use these mindset tools, which is crucial for you to learn and commit to in order to create the results. And then the stop wanting him back section, which some of you are like, I'm not heartbroken. I'm just single. I don't need to like do the stop wanting him back section. Watch the videos anyway, become super, savvy with these thought tools, then moving into the fall in love with you section. So many of my clients come to me and they say, Oh, I love me. I'm great. And then I, I really unpack. I'm like, there's no way that you're loving yourself at the level that you could love yourself because you keep attracting these douchebags that you're holding on to, So there's something missing that you're not seeing. So we always uncover that. There's so much information in the fall in love with you section that I think is gold for you to access that prepares you for the find someone better section. And I teach you how to be so committed to that result. So whoever you're swiping on, there's a video in that particular section called committing to future you in your present dating life. Cause we talk about who you would be in your ideal relationship, the thoughts you would think, how you would feel, but then you're swiping in the present day and you could still swipe on some idiots and some assholes and some losers. Right. But are you so committed to your result? And that's really how I felt with you was, oh my gosh, I'm like, he's so hot. He seems super lovely. We did have this, this banter, but also you lived at the time, pre the pandemic, uh, how long it would take to get to Santa Barbara from LA is about two and a half hours. And I was like, meh, meh. So when you circled back, I was like, yeah, next time you're in town. Sure. What else? And then what happened was a couple of days later, again, speaking of being so committed to being unattached, we had both talked about, you know, Larry's has Irish heritage and, uh, my dad sent me this hilarious Irish meme. And I was like, oh, I'm going to send this to the hot guy on Bumble. And so I sent the meme through the Bumble app. So unattached. It wasn't like, oh my God, should I send this or not? Is he going to think I'm too aggressive? No, I want him to come to me. I get this from my clients all the time. I want to be chased. Fuck that. And by the way, it's sending a funny meme in the moment that you think the hot guy you swiped with on Bumble, is that chasing him or is it just like, no, this is me being like the cool fun girl that's like, hey, read this, thought of you, here you go. And let it just be that. And I feel like if I say so myself, that really inspired, like we hadn't spoken for a couple of days. And I think that that really inspired us to connect further.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a great way to reconnect. And um, I think it it made me uh, more excited about wanting to meet you in person.
0: Yeah, because also you thought when I said to you that Monday night, like, yeah, let me know next time you're in town, you thought I was blowing you off.
1: I just didn't know. And I didn't, you know, honestly didn't know when I would be back in town. Um, I I, I definitely would have tried to reconnect with you, uh, you know, when I knew I was going to be back. But. You reached out, which I loved. And I think at that point I asked you out and I suggested that I come down to L.A. to meet you in person. And you turned it around on me and, and decided that <laughs> you were going to come up to Santa Barbara to meet me, which I also loved.
0: Why did you love that? Because I, I, I've i shared this on the podcast before. So many people are like, why did you go to see him? Why? And I was like, because I fucking wanted to. I work in my apartment all day long, coaching people on the phone. I was like, I want to go to Santa Barbara. I want to have like a romantic. I, I was going to get my own hotel room and just have my own. And also, you guys, I had stopped dating for five months. I very intentionally dated myself. There was lots I wanted to clean up in my own life, mainly my business and my finances and get myself all straightened out there and move into my own apartment because I had invested so much money in coaching and in my business. And here I was at 37 37 at the time and just really wanted to get very clear and focused on, on all of that and clean up my life and stand on my own two feet. I felt very scattered. And so I was like, I want to just go all in on that. And I never once was thinking, Oh my God, my biological clock is ticking. Time's running out. Oh my God, all the good ones are going to be gone because I know my thoughts create my results. I know my thoughts create my ideal person, not time and definitely not thoughts like, Oh my God, my biological clock is ticking. Time's running out. If I'm not on the apps, then that shows that I don't care about my dating life and I'm going to lose all the good ones. No. So my thoughts wanted to create the result of me being in a much more independent, steady, stable situation in a thriving business before I then went out to find the love of my life. When I did start to intentionally date and created this whole belief man plan to call in my my love, and I really had only started newly swiping right before I met you. It was like pretty quick when you and I matched. I like just decided, uh, I want to do this for me. I want to go to Santa Barbara for me. I want to like get a hotel room, write on my, um, write my poosh articles. And then you sent me a list of places that I could go write And like, Gave me a breakdown of each of the places. There was like six places the day that before I came up, and I was just like, I f- I just felt totally confident and self owned. Like I would actually love to come up to Santa Barbara. I've got these articles to write. It'd be so fun to do something different. I'd love to get out of LA. And I really think it's important for them to hear what your you just said before you loved it. But just a little perspective of like women holding on to it. And trust me, I'm I'm traditional in a lot of ways. But I think guys, it's, it's 2020, like show up and say what you want and go after what you want and own it and don't overanalyze it and make a big fucking deal out of it. Like I came up to Santa Barbara. Yes. Because I was like dying to meet him, dying to meet you, but I wanted the adventure for myself.
1: Well, I think that's exactly it. It was, it seemed very powerful to me and, um, independent and, and just strong. And that was, that was super attractive to me. I also thought that we could have our best first time in Santa Barbara, which I think is the best place. And I I just knew this would be a great setting for our first time getting together.
0: And here I am living here full time. Just gave up my whole life for you. No big. (laughs) I'm not bitter. No, I'm kidding. Santa Barbara really is the best place. What ended up and again, I really want to hit home on this whole your thoughts, create your results, because I've already shared this already. I moved from New York to L.A. for to get the fuck out of New York because i that's where my emotionally abusive relationship unfolded. And I just felt really scarred um which again I'm not saying that from a victim standpoint but I needed to get the hell out and just have a fresh chapter and LA was much more healing for me and I had lived there for a year prior so it was familiar to me and I already had great friends and I just felt like it was the right move for me and LA obviously is so much quieter than New York but then I was like really feeling like ah oh, the traffic and even though I lived in Beverly Hills it was close to a hospital there was just like a lot of noise and disruption also in LA. And then ultimately when I met Larry in Santa Barbara, I mean, I I fell for you so fast and so hard and had to like, keep that on the inside (laughs) until it was felt more appropriate to share my craziness about you. But that also, you know, here I am at almost 40 years old. I turned 40 in February. We're recording this in November of 2020. I didn't realize how badly I also really needed a place like Santa Barbara because it's so much more quiet. And I think the older I get, just like the more quiet I am, I'm way more introverted. You guys would be surprised to hear this, I'm sure, because I'm such an oversharer and have a pretty outgoing personality, but I'm definitely an extroverted introvert more and more and more. I So this place is so healing for me. Um, so moving here was not only a no-brainer because of you, but it was a no-brainer, period. I probably wouldn't have left my very full life in LA for Santa Barbara without you being here, but it was like Santa Barbara was just such an added bonus for me. It just... I mean, honestly, the first weekend that I visited you, I was like, sold, sold on him, sold on Santa Barbara. Done.
1: Well, I definitely thought about it at the time that I, you know, I I could see the two of us living here together. And um, it seemed like you liked it. I could tell you really felt it when you were here, uh, that first date. I'll call it was amazing.
0: Wait. So you thought about us the first weekend, like us, like me being in Santa Barbara?
1: Yeah, I I had that idea in mind. I mean, not, not before you came up, but once, once you were here and we're spending time together, I, I thought that if this was something that you wanted to do, it would be amazing for me because I knew I wasn't going anywhere.
0: Because he dropped the I have four kids bomb in the first five minutes of our date. Maybe we should transition into that. (laughs) So people are always so curious about this and I'm very protective and respectful of them. So it's not about them, but they are amazing little beings. and. When I drove up to see you on the first day, he he had not mentioned in the three and a half weeks that we had been, you know, texting here and there. And by the way, we were also not incessantly texting. I'm very adamantly against incessantly texting with someone before you meet because I've done it. And every time I do it, I meet the person and I'm like, oh, it's just like not right for me. You you think you have an idea, get to know the person in person. But you and I, I think, had a lovely banter. What? What's that smile on your
1: face? I was thinking about some of the, the it's a little bit off topic, but I was thinking <laughs> about whether I told you about the kids first, or you told me about some of your prior Bumble dates first. And I just had this image in my mind about you meeting somebody with a Mountain Dew. And, and <laughs> <laughs> I would still laugh about that.
0: So you guys aren't going to understand that, but No, you we like sat down and you told me about the kids like in the first five minutes of the date. But I then was telling him funny stories later about other horrible dates I'd been on because I was I was curious about you dating in Santa Barbara and like what what that was like or what are your like shitty first dates, which, by the way, we weren't really talking about that on the first night. I told you that like later on, but um, I don't recommend, you know, a client just told me the other day, she was like, yeah, like on the date, he was like, so how's it going for you out there with the dating? And I'm like, that's such a lame question because you're separating yourself and not acknowledging that you're both on a date with each other. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it it was important for us to be focused on one another. It always makes me a little uncomfortable talking about what who we've been trying to meet with before, but your stories were hilarious. And so, but
0: my stories were from like the, like, Oh, it came up organically, but I wasn't doing it to be like, Hey, I'm dating other people. It wasn't like, Oh, this guy I went out with last night. It was like, anyway, he showed up literally an hour, a 45 minutes late. And, and like, Fifteen minutes as I was sitting there, he was like, "I'm crossing the street." I'm like, "You're definitely fucking not," because I've been sitting here for forever. And he walked in in like an oversized suit, holding a Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> the Mountain Dew makes Larry laugh so hard. <laughs> holding a Mountain Dew, and his he rolled his eyes like, "Oh, you won't believe the day I had," and then just like dumped his day on me, and then never ordered me a drink. And I was like, I, I was proud of myself. I was like, I gotta go. I'm I'm good to go. And then he like, oh, he also tried telling me that like, he felt like he knew me so well. And I was like, that's impossible. Cause I've barely said two words mm-hmm. since we've been sitting here. And he was like, I felt I knew you as soon as we match. I was like, I, I gotta go. I, it, so props to me for getting the fuck out anyway, but we're derailing. So your kids, it, you tell me this. So I drove up to Santa Barbara. On a Saturday morning. And as I was driving up, I was like, I feel like he has a kid or two. And then when we sit down for drinks, you like pretty much blurt out, I have four kids.
1: Yeah. So I we had talked about who I am and, and what I do and a little bit about my family. And, and I, you know, my kids are, are, it's very private to me. And I kind of assume that you would think that I had kids. You know, it wasn't like I was trying to keep it from you and I knew we would talk about it at the right time. Uh, We had talked about my sister's kids a little bit and I think I sent you a a picture of one of my nieces and it was definitely on my mind about how to bring it up and when. And uh, we sat down at the bar and and it basically came out right away. (laughs) I have kids. <laughs> I think I think I, I try to warm it up with talking about my sister's kids and how she has six kids. And, and I, I thought maybe the the, <laughs> the the contrast with my four kids would, would, would soften it a little bit. Um, but it came out right away. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, huge. I mean, they're my it's, life. Yeah. So, you know, we had to talk about it. And, it, it, you know, it's also part of who I am as a dad. So... I was glad you didn't get up and and leave (laughs) you you wanted to stick around. And I definitely felt that, you know, if things went well, you would want to be part of their life. I just, I felt that early on.
0: Which is exactly what I felt. I mean, I, I, I'm sure people are curious. What were my thoughts hearing that? And so he knows this already, but I was like initially irritated, not that you had four kids, I was irritated that you didn't tell me before I came up to Santa Barbara and um
1: also- was that was that when you ordered another drink at the <laughs>
0: I sucked down that first margarita and I was like, uh, sir, second round. Thank you. Um, I was irritated that you didn't tell me because in my brain I was like, well, what if I was anti kids and now I've driven all the way up to Santa Barbara, rented a hotel room for you to tell me something that could have been a deal breaker that you didn't take care of right away. But you had a very good response.
1: Well, I knew you weren't anti kid because I I knew you had uh, a niece and nephews. So I I felt that that you know, sort of family feeling was there for you.
0: Well, I mean, I could still be anti having kids or wanting. Well, I said I want kids on my profile, but not even that, but just like, what if I was anti stepmom role?
1: Yeah, I can't remember what you said,
0: No, what you said to me was, because I was like, I, I said, I eventually told you later on, I was like, the only thing that bothered me was that you waited to tell me until I drove up and you were like, but I offered to drive down to you. And also, this is also a good segue into what I was looking for versus what you were looking for. As we've been saying on this whole podcast episode, I really was so intentional in creating like my partner, my life partner, the love of my life, like so intentional, so committed, so focused, such a specific, deliberate process that again, I teach in my course, stop wanting him back and find someone better. Go to ClaireTheHeartbreakCoach.com. Notice I don't have paid advertisements because I advertise my own services. People don't judge. So I was super intentional. And you were not right. Like you were open, but you were just like dating to see what's out there. And if someone I'm speaking for you right now, but ultimately what you said to me was, I'm only doing this again if I find someone where it's like all of the things, but I'm also not intently like searching for her. But so I think it's really interesting. You know, I also, I'm a little bit weary when men have on their profiles, not sure what I'm looking for. You know, you can check that box off on Bumble. I think if you have an intriguing enough conversation and you're matching, like I have a client who's going out on a date with someone who checks off, don't know what I want yet or whatever, just be direct and ask on the date. Because also I think a lot of people have shit written on their profiles that they wrote a year ago and maybe it's not the same anymore. Just ask, right? So. I think the difference is, is that you did know what you wanted. You just weren't like super intentional and you were also open for whatever. And so you had said to me too, like, and so what? Like, so what if you came up and you were like, whoa, you have four kids. That's just not going to work with me, work for me. Like we still could have had a good time. Like that you were okay with going out on dates with people that weren't necessarily your person. And I was not like that's where I was at was that I'm super intentional. I say this with my clients, like you didn't hire me and spend all this money. Or even if you buy my course, I really think there's nothing wrong with like casual hookups and casual dating. And I'm not saying this in judgment to you, but what I want, and I think for the people who are listening to this, they want to find their person. Right. And so that said, all we really needed was for me to be super intentional and to know, and all we needed was for you to be open to if the right person arrives but if you were like never I'm never gonna like settle down with someone again I'm not doing that which by the way at one point you did think that
1: yeah I was I was at the time open but I was <laughs> I was uh very skeptical um that I was gonna find somebody who I would connect with in, in the way that that it would be you know what I felt for life uh but I also felt that you kind of never know until you meet in person and feel the energy and, and, you know, see how, uh, what the connection is really like. You can't, I don't think you can really gauge that over text messages or by looking at pictures or I don't, we didn't do any kind of video chat or anything like that. But I, you know, my feeling was you got to just give it a try and and see how it goes.
0: Right. I guess my point is, is that a lot of women out there, think, and I'm sure men think this too. I'm just speaking from my own gender species. A lot of men, you were open, right? I think like a lot of women worry about men who are not open. They're not looking for something serious or they say they're looking for something serious, but their actions don't line up otherwise. And our work, my work with my clients and in this course is to focus on the men who are available because there are tons of available men out there. You're just attracting the unavailable ones because you've been unavailable. But yes, unavailable men are out there. And so it's your job to figure out, which is why in the second weekend that I spent with you, which I was so freaking excited slash nervous about, and we didn't see each other for two weeks because of your kid's schedule. And I I drove up there, up here, and I was thinking, I I have to ask him what he's looking for. Because I actually didn't directly address it the first weekend. And so really, after the first weekend with you, I was like, totally, I, I liked you so much. I was totally fine with the fact that you had four kids, but what I, what I didn't know was, are you looking for someone to share a life with, or do you want just like a chick on the side every other weekend for when you don't have them? And I really wanted to find that out. And when I asked you, you know, you're well, speaking of profiles that had like no information on it, you know, what are you looking for? And by the way, you guys, I was like shitting my pants asking him that because I always hate when dudes are like, Oh, well, uh, it's like, they think that you're like are we in a relationship? And that's not what I was asking, but I think men tend to, I'm really generalizing men right now. You guys, I'm aware of that, but you did get a little shifty and weird when I was like, what are you looking for? And you were like, isn't everyone looking for a relationship? And I was like, no, not everyone. And then you said you were the most, you felt like you were the most emotionally available and ready than you've been in a really long time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think this just goes back to the, the point I was trying to make before, which is I, I was open to finding the right person. Of course, uh, I was very skeptical that, that, you know, I was going to uh, for a, a variety of different reasons, but I knew it's what I wanted. And I think I also knew pretty specifically what I wanted and I wasn't willing to really have any compromise uh, for myself or for my kids or for my life. And so with, with all of that in my head and in my heart, I, I don't think I, I could say what I wanted with any particular person. I had to find that person to, to, you know, make me feel that way and to, and to feel that way about you. And, and so I was open, but it had to be the right person. And, And you were the right person.
0: Yeah, I think like the difference between you and I, but the reason why it worked is that what I'm teaching people in my course and what I teach my clients how to do is to deliberately call them in, call the person in. And what I did, he and I joke all the time. I'm like, I created you with my brain. I really feel like I called you in deliberately. But the reason why it worked is that you're like, I'm just open to see what's out there, but you didn't have this anxious pressure of I have to find her. And you also didn't let your skepticism or your cynicism about your past projected onto your future. At one point you did, and then you were like, I'm open. Right. And I think that was what was necessary. Right. Cause it's just like, everybody wants to know how everyone finds their person. And I, I think your approach was very different than my approach. And it doesn't matter because here we are now, obviously I think my approach is better and it's what I'm selling to the masses, but, <laughs> but I do think you were open, but you were in your very full life as well. You've got a very demanding job and your kids are the center of your universe. I think that that also helped you. Like you've, you were, you're really stimulated in your life in multiple areas. And then you're just Open and looking for something and you're going to see what's out there. Whereas I teach my clients, you get to decide who he is or who she is, that they exist. I have a whole video on teaching you on how to know that your person exists and then exactly how to call them in through your thoughts, feelings and actions, which is obviously not what you did.
1: Well, I think that goes back to the, the point before about how it, it felt powerful to me that you wanted to come up that first weekend because after that I sort of assumed that that I would come down and visit you and you come up and visit me and and the way it kind of unfolded is that it was better for you and more interesting for you to come up here more often and and um, that made it you know a lot I don't know. It was attractive to me. It was, uh, it was, you know, sort of more that powerful, you know, independence. Um, I could tell, you know, how much it meant to you, which, which, you know, felt like, you know, you really cared and you were really into it. And, and, um, to me, that was amazing.
0: Yeah. I, I I loved coming up here because I also felt like, well, You're tied to Santa Barbara. I mean, not even like you want to be in Santa Barbara, right? But like you weren't leaving. And so the way I felt was I want to get to know him and I want to get to know Santa Barbara and I want to like experience as much of this place and as much of him to figure out if this is really what we want. So,
1: yeah. And I was, I was, you know, just so happy to share that with you.
0: But I didn't say that to him, you guys. But I I could
1: feel it. I could definitely feel it. And, and, you know, I think that was that was how we were able to to get that part of the reason we were able to get so close um, because, well, the other benefit was that it wasn't like we would see each other for a night. And then and then, you know, maybe again later in the week or whatever we th- those early times we, we were able to spend together was, you know, for a couple of two, three days at a time. And uh, and, and I think that went a long way for us.
0: I do too. I do think that the long distance was a gift in its own weird way because it forced us to really, you know, as busy as you were, I was also really busy. And so my downtime was super precious to me. And I also think, yeah, like we were spending a morning, an afternoon and a night and we were also doing work. Like even the first weekend, we both like cracked open our computers and had shit to do. And I even felt like here we were sitting like, with our computers open. And I was like, I could just do this forever with him. I just felt so it just all felt so right. And so natural and so exciting. So another uh, question. Well, I'm going to do this other question too. I don't know why I can't find it, but what is the greatest challenge that you guys face? And we've had multiple, which was the long distance. And then transitioning into meeting the kids i mean there's four of them and you know that's just like not an easy thing for you for them or for me i remember a friend saying to me like i feel so bad for all of you <laughs> <laughs> i mean we know that there's like such a light on the other side of it all and you were so trusting and knew me so well and felt so right about introducing me to them i'm speaking for you right now i'm going to let you speak on that but obviously that was challenging and overwhelming because I'm not going to lie. Like my parents are still together. And I, if I was a kid and one of my parents was bringing someone in like a girlfriend or a boyfriend, I would have made that person's life a living hell. I I was just, I, I would have had no tolerance for it whatsoever. And they are like way more emotionally mature and kind than my, you know, child self. But I just really fe- felt for them like to the point that like, I, you know, I've done a lot of coaching around this. My thought is I'm sorry for existing. I'm sorry for existing. <laughs> and now I have to, you know, I've come a long way, but I had to pay attention. What was my brain automatically saying about it? So that was for sure challenging. Do you want to speak on that? I'm going to say another, cha- like a present challenge. Cause I think we're really working. Like it's been, yeah. and also I think, meeting them and we're, you know, all of the things I think like it's going so well. And you've always said, this is going way better than what I ever could have imagined it to, even though it's obviously not a flawless process.
1: Yeah. Well, I had, I had, um, no idea how to navigate it. Uh, I did have full confidence that we would get to where we needed to be. And I knew that I wouldn't bring anyone into their lives who I, I wasn't 100% sure about. Um, and and I'd never, i never, I don't think we, you and I ever would have gotten as far as, as we did if I didn't think you would be the right person to meet them and, and to you know get connected with them. But trying to figure out how to introduce the idea of you, to each one of them. And, you know, four kids, different ages, different personalities, different sort of- They're young.
0: They're di- under the age. It's four kids under the age of 12.
1: Well, yeah. Well, and and, and so it, it was it was difficult. And mm-hmm. um, you, you can talk to other people about how they do it. You can kind of think about what the right approach is. And, and I think the way it turned out was every path that we went down was- you know, worked a little bit, but then didn't work. And then we had to try to, you know, do something else. And, and you know, it was al- always, you know, worse for you than for me, because you were on the outside of it. And I could see where there was a little progress. And I I, I could then see where there was a little resistance. And, um, you know, I feel like eventually we, we worked our way through it. And, you know, we're not 100% there yet. But I feel like from where we are, where we are now compared to where we were in May or June is, um, you know, it's, I mean, it's been incredible. It's been incredible for, for, you know, feeling like we're getting to where we want to be. And, and, you know, my kids being happy and and open and actually excited about it.
0: Mm, makes me emotional. Well, yes. I mean, obviously, I don't know any situation similar to our situation where someone says, "Oh, it's just easy peasy, no big deal." Um, and I know that it has been a lot better. It could have been a lot worse if there were four little Claires; <laughs> it would have been a nightmare. Um, but for sure, that has been a challenge. But also, you know, even in the hardest moments, there was never ever like I I made a mistake. You know, like I feel like you are so worth it and they are so worth it. And, you know, I just want to say because so many people say to me, and when I was leaving my apartment, this neighbor of mine, I told her when I was leaving Beverly Hills, I told her, I'm like, oh, I'm actually moving. And she was like, oh, where are you moving? You know, I was like, moving with my boyfriend. You know he 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 has four kids, so you know he he's staying there. So it was like that's that's our option, and she was like four kids, and she was like, "Girl, he must be real special." (laughs) And we just die laughing over that line. But you know, so many people, which again, it's so fascinating you know, have been like, wow, that's a lot. Be careful with your heart. That's going to be really hard. You know, I have two of my own kids and my own kids. It's really hard. And, and I also appreciate my friends with kids who are like, you know, motherhood is hard period, let alone like sharing your partner's kids. And not that I mean, I'm sharing them, but you know what I mean? Like, that's what we're eventually working towards, like being one unit and, but it's also, you know, everybody looks at it as like, I'm this person that took on, you know, this like really big challenge. And, you know, what people are forgetting, you know, and I wrote this when I first shared that you have kids, I shared it in a an article that I wrote for Poosh called, uh, are you a realist or a romantic? And uh, you, I will put the link in the show notes to that article. But, you know, what people don't understand is, and 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 I want to be very clear here, What I said in that article, spoiler alert, but you can still check it out if you're struggling with like being too much of a romantic or too much of a realist. But, you know, people, you know, I always thought that I wanted to be a mom in my own right, whether that was adopt or have my own kid. I also made a decision at 37 that if I didn't find my person by 40, I would if I felt like it go out on my own and do it on my own. Because again, your thoughts create your results. So I was going to get myself to an independent financial situation so I could hire a village to help support me raise a child if that's what I decided. But I also realized I don't know what I'll think at 40 and I'm single or 41 or 42. I don't know. So I'll only know. And from there, make a decision where nothing can hold me back from the result that I want to create. So but I was pretty sure I would do it on my own if I hadn't had my person at that. By, by that point. And what I wrote in this article was, you know, people talk all the time like nobody, no one understands the love a parent can have for a child until you experience that love. And the closest kind of love that I have felt is for my niece and nephews. Like I am so obsessed with them. <laughs> And when I see them hurting, or even if like they're in trouble with my brother, I'm like, they're fine. Like they're not allowed to get into trouble. (laughs) And, um, you know, but the reality is what I share is that the love that I receive from you is a love that I've never experienced before. And that, you know, you think you know what you want. I thought I wanted to be an actress and like you know, settle down with some person who's in Hollywood, not not for like the scene and the glamour, but just like I needed to be with someone who would understand my actor life and like, you know, have these little kids and like live it and had to be L.A. and New York. But really, at the end of the day, what I've always said my whole life was I want to just do something that creative that's creatively stimulating for me. And right now that's acting. It always seemed like acting and I want to make really good money. And I want to just like be really happy and in love and have a healthy partnership, like till the day I die and work on that partnership and not just be a crabby old married couple. That's just like, well, you're just in it because we made the commitment, but like work at it and keep it alive and fresh and romantic and fun and and be a part of a family. And I always thought that that was going to look differently. But to me, again, I don't want to be sp- speaking. I'm just protective of talking about them in any way. Cause it's just like, not fair for like this podcast to be, but like, I do feel so much love for them. And lo- I just am crazy about them and crazy about you. And everybody says, this is my long winded. Everybody's like, Ooh, Claire, that's hard. But you guys have to realize like the love that I experience for them and for Larry and the honor that I feel that he wants me to be a part of their lives and his life like that to me is just like, oh, my God. And I even just like the first weekend of meeting you and like seeing pictures of them. Oh, he's getting a little teary. <laughs> um, You know, I was just like I just my heart just like automatic. And I just think like you can feel that automatic love and pull for someone. And we've like definitely said, I mean, I've shared so many times that I lost my words when I first met you. Like I just felt not just like this insane attraction to you, but just like, Oh, this is my person. But then I was also cautious about it because of all the shit that I'd experienced that I was like, I'm noticing this pull, but I also need to check myself, which thank God for the coaching. Cause I didn't make that all, I didn't put that all on you. I like kept my cool, did myself coaching, but I was so aware of my heart just being like, yes, from like, from pre-meeting you. Do you have anything to say? Question. <laughs> With his teary eyes, you guys, he was moved by that, just so you should know. Okay. Oh, I just want to say one more thing on challenges. Like the challenge that I face now is separation anxiety from him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when he's with the kids, tell him how far away you live. <laughs>
0: I live five minutes away, literally a five minute drive away. But when we, you know, have a weekend together or whatever, it's just so comforting to me. And obviously, I don't put this on him. And going back to, I do consider myself a very independent person. I really love my life up here in Santa Barbara, but because there's a pandemic, I haven't been immersing myself into the community the way I know I would. And like a yoga community and like make my own friends. And, you know, right now my friends are my lash girl, my trainer. And I just went to a really cool acupuncturist and I'm going to try to make her my friend, but you know, I got to keep it cool. Cause we just did one session, but we talked like pretty much the whole time. So I'm alone, you know, not 50% of the time because I'm getting to know the kids, but obviously we're being really slow and careful with that. And, um, I don't, I'm, I'm okay when we're apart. It's that like, when I say goodbye to you after we spend a weekend together, I literally get a little panicky. And again, I share this with all of you because my old anxiety comes up, and it's not like, oh, what's he doing? Where's he going? Is he like, you know, doing shit behind my back? It's not that like paranoid, dirty thinking. And I talk about clean pain and dirty pain in the course. It's just like, oh, I love him so much. And I feel like you're a security blanket, which again sounds a little codependent <laughs> And I don't mean it like that. I'm just like, I love having you in my life. And I know we're working towards being under one roof full time. But like, I kind of love that. I feel a little bit anxious in a way because I love you so much that like, of course, I'm going to feel a little angsty and miss you when we're not together, you know? So that's a challenge of mine. He's just smiling at me. He, he doesn't feel the same. Apparently.
1: That's not true. (laughs) You know, our time together is, is just, you know, so fun and so natural and so comfortable. Um, you know, at the same time, it's, it's, I think, good for, for both of us to, you know, be able to, and, and sort of be forced to focus on other things, me with, with, you know, my kids and you and work and and yeah. you know, you with work and we need that time. Totally.
0: Totally. What's uh the, what is the one thing you most admire about each other? That's really hard for me because I, I like, like the one thing I think I'll just make it because we're running out of time here, but it's it's going to be a cheating answer. I am so fucking blown away by the dad you are, the hard worker you are, the lawyer you are, like your intelligence, how your thirst for knowledge and what's going on in the world, the partner that you are to me, the brother that you are to all of your siblings, how you care about your parents, the friend that you are, like... All of it and that I'm insanely attracted to you and you're hilarious. Like you do it all for me and all the ways. And then also he's just like a fucking handyman around the house and he's always building shit and fixing shit to the point that I'm like, can we stop? Can you stop? Can you pay attention to me? You're just like, so amazing in all the ways you also cook and you make these like amazing little breakfasts and random lunches for me. If we're together on the, on the same weekday, you'll like, I came off a coaching call and he had this like beautiful lunch prepared for me. He, you just are so, I can't believe that you're all of those things and just so caring and so loving and that like you're pulled in so many different directions and I still feel so cared for by you. So what's the thing that I admire most is that I just think you're like every role that you have in your life, you are full on. And I feel like all four of your kids feel your love and devotion to them, even though they only have you half the time. And I feel all of your love and devotion to me, even though I only have you half the time. So you can't top that.
1: Well, to me, it's your generosity. And I feel like that has been everything you do is, is generous. You know, the, the way you love me, the way, uh, you, you, know, you, you've been willing to want to be part of my family and what you've done for the, for, for us and our relationship and, and the times that we were, you know, living in different places and even the times now. And, and I think everything that you, you do is very purposeful toward making our relationship better, making our life better. And uh and and I you know, I, I feel that with me, I feel that with the way you are with your friends. I feel I definitely feel like it's the way you are with your family. And so if if I could, you know, think of one thing that is, you know, so important to me that I think probably covers so much of our life, it's your generosity.
0: Mm, babes. I didn't know that. Okay. I think we have time for two uh, more questions. I think this is a good one that people will want to answer the answer to. Does Claire ever try to coach you? If so, how does it go?
1: <laughs> you do, but you, you always ask me if, if, you know, you could, you know, share something with me from a coaching perspective and, um, i have I feel like I've definitely changed the way I think a little bit because of what you do and, and and how you look at life. It's funny because when we first met, one of your little jokes in your profile was, "I'm a coach, but I'm not interested in coaching you which <laughs> I, I, I thought I thought it was amazing because i I had my own crazy story, and I just thought it would at some point be kind of a funny funny thing for us, but you do. Uh, but you don't, I know you're very deliberate about it. And, um, and I've always found it helpful, you know, when you, when you give me your, your coaching perspective.
0: Yeah. And uh, you will, uh, you'll be like, I see that you also don't uh, do what I say and it's not, yeah, I, Totally. I feel like I do say, can I offer a coaching perspective? And sometimes I think you're always receptive and appreciative, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're like, oh, okay, I'll do it that way. Right. Like you have your own mind and how boring would it be? I think too, like the fact that you're not really into like self-help the way I am really is so refreshing for me. Like you're open. And I think you have a very natural um, born level of emotional intelligence and availability which is so you know so many and I I know I've said this too like my man needs to be doing work on himself <laughs> and I don't think that at all like I just feel like you're just very evolved and yeah I find it refreshing that you're like not into like coaching and therapy and all that shit I mean sometimes I'm like mm, maybe <laughs> you're like no <laughs> um This was also a really good question. How does it make him feel hearing your inner struggle? I worry about what my partner thinks when he hears the deeply ingrained fears slash blocks from childhood. So before you answer this question, I just want to say to this follower, because I put these questions out on Instagram, you know, you're making a story about His story about your story. (laughs) Does that make sense? I
1: can't follow it. So
0: you have a story about your childhood and you're creating a story about what he thinks about your childhood. There's three stories going on. Your childhood is a story. And then whatever he thinks about your story is his story. Right. And then you have a story about his story about your story. There's three stories going on. Does that make sense? Are you following that? Or do I need to say that again? Okay. So I'm curious when you've presented this question, I'm not going to say your name, lovely follower, but it's like, what do you think Larry's perspective about my fears is going to offer you about your perspective about your fears about what your partner thinks? You know, and that's the thing is like going back to when you said so many people, Babes are um offering perspective about like, well, this is their situation and their experience as a step parent. It's like when people have said to me, you know, you should talk to my friend because she's a stepmom and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of I feel resistant because I'm like, but your friend has different children in the picture, right? It's just a different scenario. So what I want to offer to you before Larry just gives you his perspective for shits and giggles, but his perspective has nothing to do with what you want to think and feel about your own childhood fears and blocks and how you want to think and feel about his perspective of it. Because at the end of the day, my past is my past. Larry had access to go on my clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and read my very dramatic heartbreak story. He had access to all these podcasts to listen to me speak. Even when he followed me, when you followed me on Instagram for the first time, I was like, Oh, like there's just, I exposed so much of my life and I was worried that that was going to turn you off, but not to the point that I was going to stop. Like if you saw my Instagram page or you listened to my podcast or you read my heartbreak story and you're like, Oh, this girl's a lot. She shares a lot. That's like a little too much for me then i then we wouldn't have been right for each other because that's like who i am and what i do and my past is my past and i've cleaned it up i can't change the facts but i definitely can change my victim story into my heroin story which i think that i have done and i have shared this numerous times Trauma has come up in our relationship. I have had fears that Larry's cheating on me because of my own shit in my own past. Even though I've come so far in healing it, I've had panicked thoughts. Um, You've had trauma moments come up in our relationship. And so um, this work isn't about and never feeling them or never having a negative moment or never projecting a past traumatic experience onto your partner and moving through that. But if Larry was going to judge my heartbreak story or if he was going to have issues with it or. Um, Second guess if it was going to work based on my past, then we wouldn't have been right for each other. So I'm curious why you're worried about how he perceives your past. I would say right away that your work is for you to clean up your past and own the fuck out of it and own the fuck out of your present day fears and move through that. And the right person is going to show up for all of them because. I'm not going to get into the details of Larry's past, but he's had some painful shit happen in his past. And I sign up for all of him, all of his story, all of his past and how we can show up and support each other and be the best partners to each other. Um, I think, his painful past and my painful past actually has been a gift in our relationship because it makes us like he literally brought me a bowl of soup and like some beautiful fresh toast and this like fresh crab meat from the fish market down in Santa Barbara when I was like working away on my course and I'm like oh my It was like such a simple act of service to me in our relationship. But I was like, I don't know if anyone has done this for me except for my mom. Like my mom would take care of me. And yes, I've had like men cook for me. But it was just this like lovely gesture that like I'm not trying to like diminish the the meal. But it was like a simple, beautiful meal set up with love. It looked so pretty. And I was like... (gasps) And then you were saying that like when you were sick with the cold that like no one had taken care of you the way that I took care of you. And it's like things that maybe a lot of people have been married for 20 years are like, yeah, of course I cook for my partner. Of course I'm going to like go get shit at the store for my partner who's feeling sick. But like the level of appreciation that we have for each other, I think is next level because of the not so satisfying past relationships that we've experienced. So, you can offer your perspective, but I really think it's important I could smell from where she was coming from that it's like, well, what does he think like as if like what he thinks should affect how you show up and what you share in your relationship.
1: Well, I think without that authenticity, you can never really get to know the person that you're in love with. And you know, with that authenticity, a lot of the, I think probably with everybody comes some vulnerability that has to be out there and it comes from both sides. And, uh, if you don't have that, you may really never know who you're with. And, uh, so I think it's, I think it's important to, to be authentic and, and transparent and to get to know one another and your best qualities and, and, you know, your worst stories. And, I think that's, that's how, you know, the strongest relationship can grow.
0: Right. But so specifically, what did you think? Cause you, you admitted that you read my heartbreak story. So like, It's so much information and it's a lot of drama. Like, what did – and I'm not offended because I know we've talked about this before. Like, in the same way that someone's like, oh, my God, he's divorced with four kids. Whoa, that's a lot. Here I was, this 37-year-old single woman who had never settled down. So, like, he has the same – like a shifted concern. Well, why has she never really been in a like a long-term relationship or the fact that I admitted to him, I really haven't been in anything serious for nine years. I mean, he's the first man I've said, I love you to since my abusive relationship. So I was also very avoidant in my love life. So it goes both ways, but yeah. What did you think about all of it?
1: Well, uh, you know, I thought it was brutal, which it is. Uh, Although I I felt like mine was, was also brutal. And, you know, not that I, I wanted that to be a, you know, the the point of our connection, but I, I definitely felt like we had both had significant negative experiences that, that, you know, we were learning to grow from and that we're kind of always learning to grow from. And so, uh, it didn't turn me off at all. It didn't make me scared. It didn't make me feel like I needed something that, you know, you know, needed to be Clean with somebody. That. Yeah. Or, or somebody who, you know, hadn't had that kind of experience, you know, in a way, you know, sometimes it's hard to see when you're in the middle of it. But those experiences are are what make you stronger, you know, and and, you know, without them, well, I'll say with them. I think you're more prepared for the the weird turns that that, you know, life takes.
0: Amen, babes. Amen. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Babe, thank you so much for coming on. Thank
1: you. It was nice to be on.
0: I'm definitely going to bring you back cuz we did not get to cover all of the questions, but Here he is, everybody, the love of my life. This is who I called in and you 100% can call in the love of your life with these tools, whether it's with my one-on-one coaching, which currently I do not have a spot available till February, but if that is something you're interested in, make sure you go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com, click on the work with me tab. And for sure, check out my course. Maybe you're curious about one-on-one coaching, but you're not sure. Um, The course will definitely give you, with the almost 60 videos that you have lifetime access to, a feel for me, my exact approach, and how I work. You cannot go wrong. This course will transform not just your love life, but your entire life. So much love, my loves. Until next time. My love, are you ready to stop wanting him back and find someone better? Then head on over to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and sign up for my one-year group coaching program. I can't wait to put a stop to your broken heart and get a start on your happily ever after.